Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I have got a real treat for us today. Joining me on the show is the former founder of one of the largest and fastest growing digital marketing agencies in the country. In 2004, he founded Rise Interactive, built and sold that, and today offers world-class agency-specific financial management, accounting, and uh, virtual CFO services to agencies. Joining me today is John Morris. Thank you for being on the show with us. Thanks so much for having me, Marcel. Real excited to be here. Likewise, we have had a chance to nerd out, as I like to say, yeah. um, several times before the recording of today's show. And uh, you know, the minute that we had that conversation and unpacked a little bit of what we do, I said, I've got to have you on the podcast. And here you are. But before we jump into the topic du jour, I want to give you an opportunity to, in your own words, describe what it is that you're up to and who you serve. Absolutely. So as you mentioned, I founded Rise Interactive in 2004. Uh, had an amazing run, was on the Inc. 500, 5,000 list for nine years in a row, uh, had all sorts of different recognition. Uh, but a big part of the way that we got there was the way that we organized our finances, the way that we did budgets, the way that we put our strategic plans together. And what I recognize is that for smaller agencies that are looking to scale their business, this is one of those things that they don't really think about. But if they get it right, they position themselves to be in such a better position to grow at a much rap more rapid rate. Mm -hmm. So created Ramsey Innovations with the focus on helping agencies really create a world-class infrastructure to help fuel and scale their business. And so uh, I want to start with the origin stories of Rise. How did growing that business kind of inform the specialization that Ramsey Innovations has today? What were some of the key learnings that helped you realize like, hey, this is something that other agencies need access to? Um, so I'll, I'll go through a, a couple of different ways. One, uh, one of the things I always found fascinating was talking to agency owners and how little they invested in sales and marketing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I had a, a couple sayings. One thing is it can't be a goal unless you it's in your budget. And so, you know, the idea that so many people tell me that they want to scale, they want to grow their business, but then they don't put anything into sales and marketing. I literally had a sales pitch last week where someone told me that they want to turn their agency into a huge company. And then I asked them, what do they spend in sales and marketing? And they said zero. And I challenged them and I said, you know, look, I don't want to be, you know, disrespectful, but I don't really think at this stage you want a huge agency because if you did, you'd be making the investments. The other thing I say is everyone has a strategic plan, whether they know it or not, it's what you put your money into. And so when I gave my little overview of how I formed Ramsey, I kind of skipped a couple steps for speed. Uh, but the reality is I started off with an executive coaching company 
And I was coaching anybody and everybody. So I was coaching interior design companies to life insurance companies to a cannabis consulting company to agencies. And when I was talking to them and I was going through the program to teach them how to scale their company, what I found was that the financial acumen that we were bringing them, the budgeting process, the forecasting process, the cash flow analysis, that was the kind of the glue or the secret sauce that no one seemed to really have right at the smaller stage. And so I don't think I realized at Rise how much of an advantage we had from a financial infrastructure until I started talking to more people. And so we pivoted and then we decided we're going to go all in on agencies and we're going to go all in on finance management. And that's kind of how we came to where we are today. Well, I'm glad that you did, because in my opinion, uh, you know, I've said this before, I, I'm on, I guess, a mission to have every, um, every accountant, uh, accounting firm that specializes in agencies on our podcast here. But I don't think I don't think there's nearly enough that are solving this problem because the market is absolutely starved for true expertise that is specific to this business model because there's nuances to this business model that general accounting typically does a bad job, uh, in my experience, of uh, creating value for the owner and their executive team in the actual numbers that are being reported. There's just so many things that they can't see unless there is some intentionality applied. And I'm excited to dig into that a little bit more. I want to come back to something before, though, that you said, which was um, this notion of you know, where you put your money is your focus, is your priority, is it's your strategic plan. And people you know, choosing or not choosing to put money into sales and marketing. And I think What's funny about that is to you and me, that probably sounds like a completely reasonable thing. But in my experience, and I'm sure you've had this conversation a lot as well, somebody is kind of appalled at the idea that that is a choice that they can make. And it's like, well, it seems like that's not a choice for you because maybe you've been choosing to put your money into subsidizing uh, your clients or subsidizing poor scoping of projects or subsidizing poor culture around managing projects or over servicing clients. Therefore, it doesn't feel like you have the cash available to invest in sales and marketing like you want to. But the reality is this should feel very much like a choice. Is that your perspective, John? Or talk to me about it how it gets there. It absolutely is a perspective. And I'm going to give you a few different scenarios and a few different stories. Uh, so I have a couple clients that are both PR firms, both in the same market, both have similar customers. One of them spends 7.5% of their revenue on sales and marketing. One of them spent $51 last month on sales and marketing. And the person who spent $51 in sales and marketing is actually very proud of that number. And what I explained to both of them is there really is no wrong answer. Like that person is much more focused on profitability. Uh, they, the person, the CEO happens to be in a phenomenal sales machine and is a, is a force where they're able to win a lot of business from the founder. Um, now at some point though, the amount of revenue you lose will generally be equal to what the founder brings in. And so you'll, you'll start having growth that will stall based on that strategy, which means at that point they might invest in sales and marketing, or they might just have a great business. It's highly profitable, but it's not going to scale to a huge company. The other company uh, is a very different strategy. They're building a, a leadership team. 
they're investing in sales and marketing, they really want to figure out how they go from three to 10. And in both scenarios, it's, there's no wrong answer. Uh, there's a development company that's incredibly profitable. Uh, and, you know, when I talked to the owner, you know, she's mentioned, you know, look, I decided that I really wanted to focus on taking profits and I wanted to use those profits and make investments outside of my agency. And in that scenario, um, they, you know, she, you know, has invested in a lot of things outside of the agency, has a lot of cash for the agency, and that's a choice. I, with Rise, hovered between zero and 5% EBITDA for many, many years. You know, that you always hear the typical agency is supposed to make 20% EBITDA. Uh, when you take all of my clients in aggregate, the EBITDA is 18%. Uh, now, because I was investing anywhere between 13 to 18% more of my revenue into the business, I had a much larger sales and marketing budget. And so to me, uh, I had a 20-year time horizon. I sold it in 16 years, so I never hit the 20-year marker. Um, but I had a long-term vision where I wanted to feel growth. And so I would put up really big sales numbers every single year. But I, you know, I, my wife, you know, for many, many years was like, couldn't we just take the revenue from one of the clients to just pay us, you know? And I said, no, we're putting it back into the company. So, uh, and then there are things that people don't realize. Like people don't realize the importance of gross margin. And so if you have a really low gross margin, you don't have money to invest. So you don't actually have a choice. Uh, and so I have clients that are literally the exact same in size, do the exact same thing, but one has a really low gross margin, one has a really high gross margin. The one with the low gross margin lost money and they're not able to make all the investments they want to make. The one with the high gross margin is able to do all sorts of investments and build cash and build profitability. So gross margin is one of those secret items that people don't even know what it is. They don't know how to calculate it. Uh, and so as you get into organizing your chart of accounts, which I know you're going to want to talk to me about at some point, uh, you know, there's a lot of wisdom and a lot of learnings you can gain out of that. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Yeah, well, it, it's funny. You, you took the conversation exactly where I was going to take it, which is that's the thing that no one seems to be, when they're talking about profitability, everyone's focused on their bottom line and aren't realizing that the foundation of profitability actually starts at the gross margin, which you and I are very aligned on our thinking around this. 
And uh, we're, I, I guess the question, the next question and the place we should go is, well, let's talk about gross margin. What is it? How do you look at it? It might be different than how I look at it, but I think that'll be an interesting conversation if it is the case. Um, let's talk about it. What is gross margin? How do you define it? And how should agency owners be figuring out how it looks for them? So the first thing I'm going to talk about is actually revenue. Uh, there are two types of revenue, in my opinion. There is gross revenue and net revenue. Gross revenue is, let's just say you're managing media and you manage $100 million in media and you get 10%, so you have $10 million in fees. So you'll hear a lot of times people talk about, I have a $100 million company. Well, that's your gross revenue, but your real revenue is what I call your net revenue, which is that $10 million. Yeah. So the, the reason why that's important is you need to understand what is your revenue so that when you analyze your gross margin, you're using the right denominator. Um, so the next thing is there is a bunch of expenses, which generally are people, contractors, technology license, travel and entertainment, that all is focused on taking care of your customers. And so QuickBooks is a really good example. If you use QuickBooks payroll, it defaults all of your payroll to one line item called wages. <laughs> and so if you want to know what your gross margin is, 80% of your cost of service, which is the group of people who service your customers, are salary and payroll. Yeah. So you have to remove from that one line of wages and move them into the cost of goods sold area in your financial accounting system. And so when you hear the word cost of service, your gross margin is your net revenue minus your cost of service. And so then the most important number is not the absolute gross margin number, it's the percentage number. So what you wanna do is you wanna take your absolute gross margin number and divide that by your net revenue. And what I want is clients to be at 50%. Mm -hmm. uh, just to give you an idea, clients who joined us in 2021, uh, their average gross margin in 2020 was 40%, and it moved up to 48% in the first 11 months of 2021. We're still gathering the December data, so we'll have the full year soon. Uh, so they're right around where I want them to be, which is that 50% marker. John, I have a big smile on my face because you might be the first person that's ever explained that in exactly the same way that I explained. We use slightly different language. We, we talk about AGI or agency gross income as opposed to net, but it's the same concept, right? We have to strip out pass-through. That's so critically important because if we're trying to look at our business to your point as being a $100 million business, when really it's 10 million, we can make some really bad choices in terms of how we invest. And then secondly, isolating that actual cost of earning that net revenue and isolating that. This is something that, I mean, we look at this month alone, we've been in the P&Ls of four uh, companies through our audit process. Not a single one of them could get that number without having to do a bunch of math or without having to go into the transaction level of a line item on their chart of accounts and parse apart what the proper allocation of you know different softwares or different people or different other items inside their business 
are to figure out what was the cost of earning that revenue for us and what was that margin. And my benchmarking is exactly the same. Try to get to 50% on the PL, um, which generally means on a project basis, you've got to shoot a little bit higher so that you can absorb utilization and things like that. But that's the same exact benchmark that we explain. This might just just because of this, this might be my favorite podcast episode I've ever done. I, I love to hear that. And, and <laughs> it's and it's honestly part of the success of Rise was our obsession with gross margin. Mm. Uh, you know, by constantly evaluating that number and focusing on what do you need to do to improve the gross margin uh, gives you a huge edge. Now and. Sorry, I want to get really nerdy on this and I want to start talking about some of the nuance if you'll go there with me, John. Absolutely. All right, Love everyone to. listening, put your nerd glasses on. We're going <laughs> into the deep end here. I want to start with the question I get all the time, which is let's define the pass-through revenue or the, the difference between gross revenue and net revenue. There's a lot of confusion around what should be getting stripped out beyond the obvious stuff like print budgets, media budgets, et cetera. When we start talking yeah. about freelancers and white label partners and some of these other vendors that we might be passing revenue through, how do you make the determination of what belongs in that pass-through kind of expense category and what we bring down into the agency and consider um, a cost of service? So to me, anything where the revenue and the cost are equal is what I consider pass-through. So if you're licensing technology for $1,000 a month and you're charging the client $1,000 a month, I consider that pass-through. Anything where there is a gap, uh, unless it is like, you know, you're getting 10% of your media dollars. But, you know, it's like if you hire a contractor or a white label provider, that to me is something that's replaceable with a team member. And in those scenarios, to me, that's not a pass-through cost. Uh, you know, so if, let's just say you're doing search engine optimization, you hire a white label SEO provider and you charge a million dollars for SEO and the white label provider takes $800,000. Well, you're choosing not to build that internally. You're choosing not to hire people. And so in that opinion, that's not a pass-through cost. Like that means that you only get a 20% margin on that investment. Uh, where if you, uh, let's just say licensed, I don't know, Moz, and you did a complete pass-through where you just, you license Moz, you charge the client for the same license fee, that shouldn't show up on your revenue, that shouldn't show up in your cost of service. I move that into other income and other expenses on the income statement. Hmm. Interesting. That's a. That's a, a good way of looking at it. I like that definition. Mine is slightly different. The way okay. I think about this is, are you responsible for the profitability of that revenue or not? So this, the slight difference is I would consider the white label partner to be passed through, but I would consider the markup to actually be part of our net revenue because what I'm trying to figure out, and maybe this is just a difference in like the purpose of our service versus yours, but what I'm yeah. trying to figure out is what was, how, what did it cost you to earn that revenue? What's the level of efficiency on that? So there's a very slight difference, but I think in both cases, you're going to get a much more accurate read regardless of how you, how you split that. But I'm curious, what are your thoughts on my take? Yeah. You know, the, it really depends. Like if you say search engine optimization is core to your business mm. and you're looking at using a white label provider to get you going, 
I don't look at that as a pass through cost because what you're going to do is you're going to look at your line items and start saying, well, what do we need to do to improve our margins? It's like, well, we only have a 20% margin on SEO. Maybe it's time that we bring that in house. You know, our finally, we got our revenue up to $200,000 a month. What if we go and brought in a head of SEO and we, you know, hired four people to do the work as opposed to paying this white label provider? Uh, in my mind, that is, you know, that's the, the equivalent of hiring a contractor and it's just you're managing the cost of the people. You're just doing it in a different manner. Okay. That's where I think we're much more aligned. And it's the, the key thing that you said there was, is this a core service? And, you know, I think another way of asking that question is, is this something that you otherwise would hire internally for if you had enough, um, you know, enough volume to justify it or, you know, what have you, or is this something that you just actually wouldn't hire internally for? So we're, we're much closer on that. Okay. So I think I'll, I'll, I'll agree with your answer in one regard. Uh, I generally have any like ancillary, really small revenue items in the other income section of the income statement. Mm. The second it becomes substantial, that's when I would put that white label provider in the cost of service section and not considered as a pass through entity. I see. Okay. Interesting. And now, so this, I, what I want to note on this is that like, neither John or I are necessarily wrong on this. The question that would have to be asked at the front end of any kind of determination of what the right approach is would be, what is the business model? What are we trying to measure? What are the answers that we're trying to get? And this is another thing that I love about you, John, is you deeply understand and believe in this idea of the way that we structure this data and do reporting. It all has to come back and uh, be a byproduct of clarity on what the objective of that data, what the objective of that report actually is. John, we've talked about a lot of very interesting things. We've talked about, of course, your background. We've talked about the importance of gross margin and how that's kind of at the center of setting the foundation for agency profitability and success. We've talked about how to think about budgeting and working backwards from the goals of the organization. Do you have any other final words of advice for those that are listening that might just be at the start of their journey trying to figure out how to manage the numbers in their agency? Uh, yeah, I would say that the, the other big metric I want people to think about is looking at their sales and marketing as a percent of revenue. And... Uh, you know, once again, as I mentioned before, what is important to the agency owner really drives what you spend your money on. Like, but if you want to fuel your growth, I can tell you the vast majority of agencies don't spend a lot of money in sales and marketing. So, you know, by spending more, by first fixing your gross margin and then looking to invest in sales and marketing, you're going to generate more leads than your competitive set. And you're going to feel your growth. So it's a huge metric that I look at on a regular basis uh, to see what you're doing to understand how important growth is to you as an organization. Yeah. I think I want to double click on that last point um, before we wrap up, which is that, you know, I think the common idea here is, okay, well, I'll just raise my prices every year to compensate for the fact that my people are getting paid more. And you and I both know that there are real constraints that make it such that you can't really do that without some consequences uh, while maintaining utilization without losing all of your clients. Um, and so it's important to know that there are other levers that you might have to look at pulling to try and maintain your gross margin as all of these forces are constantly eroding 
that gross margin. You might need to look at ways of finding less expensive labor to do the work that your very experienced labor is doing that they might be kind of overqualified to do. You might have to find ways to do the same work faster or with less time investment such that your existing team can earn more revenue without increasing in cost. There are efficiencies that you want to be paying attention to, other metrics that you want to be paying attention to so that price is not the only lever that you really have visibility into pulling in order to combat this force that is very real and everyone is, is feeling, especially right now, as we see people getting 30, 40, 50, 100% raises year over year when they transition from your agency to go work at another brand and get paid twice as much for the same role. Uh, it's a crazy time, but raising price is often the first thing that people look at and when they feel like oh that's not really an option for me or i can't raise it enough they kind of throw their hands up and go i don't know what else to do about this but when you have good visibility into the business you realize that there's a lot of other things that you can do about it and there are other levers that can be pulled and i think that's a really important thing to drive home is that having the visibility gives you the insight i couldn't agree more and i could talk to you about not just like where the labor resides, but the org structure you put together and how many people report into your leaders and making sure that directors are not doing managers work and managers are not doing entry level people's work. There's all sorts of things to think about in that regard. So John, this has been a fantastic conversation. As usual, every time we talk, we, we just yeah. get super nerdy. So for those that are listening that wanna follow the content that you're producing and the expertise you're putting out into the world, which you're doing a great job of, you, you've got some awesome webinars that you do and things like that. So I recommend if you're listening, go check it out. Where should people follow you online? Uh, you know, if you go to my LinkedIn profile personally and connect with me, uh, or you could go to the Ramsey Innovations, follow us on LinkedIn. Uh, also go to RamseyInnovations.com. We have a blog where we're starting to produce content at a fairly regular basis. Awesome. So for those of you listening, easy peasy, it'll be in the show notes. Just scroll down and all that information will be there. John's LinkedIn, Ramsey Innovations, social profiles and website as well. And with that, John, I want to thank you very much for making time for us today. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. We really love being here. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.